This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Vacation continues on. He will be back coming up tomorrow. But free agency begins today. Uh, let's uh, get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It's no secret Utah's in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Uh, joining us now, she covers the jazz for the Deseret News. She's Sarah Todd with us here on the big show. Hi, Sarah. Hey, guys. How's it going? We are great. Uh, I love today. I love free agency day. I'm kind of a, uh, I love the behind the scenes stuff with the NBA. I find it absolutely uh, fascinating. So I'm, I'm stoked you're with us, but uh, this is a fun day, I think. Yeah, I think the thing that I like the most about it is once the news actually comes out, you've got kind of movement of a bunch of different players, not really the top name players, but I kind of like like some of the guys the Jazz would be looking at, like veteran minimum contract guys, I like to see where they're going and try to project out how they're going to like actually play on the teams that they're going to. And so that's the fun part for me. Well, I want to start out asking you about Michael Conley, and then I want to get into some of the rules and exactly, you know, I thought you explained them really well at Deseret.com and exactly how much money they're going to have to do what with. But I want to start with, with Michael Conley and what you're hearing about him and if you're expecting a deal between he and the Jazz. Yeah, I think that, I mean, just logistically, if you look at the landscape of the NBA, at the price that Mike Conley is going to come at, the market value for him has been projected throughout the offseason and fluctuated kind of between 18 and $26 million a year. And so if you look at the cap space that other teams have and who's looking for a point guard, it doesn't really make a ton of sense for him to go anywhere else. And so I think that it's it's definitely expected that the Jazz are going to finalize a deal and they're going to be able to get it done. Um, and uh, I, I don't think that it'll be long after that uh, 4 p.m. Mountain Time that we hear something. And uh, I'm assuming you think that that's probably the right new or the right decision based on a lot of very good reasons. Yeah, first of all, they don't have that money to play with if they don't use it on Mike Conley because they're already over the cap. The reason they can re-sign him is because they have his bird rights, which allows a team to re-sign their own players even if it puts them over any cap number. And so if Mike Conley didn't re-sign with the Jazz, it's not like the Jazz could go out and spend $20 million elsewhere. They don't have that money. It's just gone. And so, number one, that's a good idea. But number two, I mean, we saw what Mike did with the Jazz last season. He was a huge reason why they were the team with the best record in the league through the regular season. And had he been healthy throughout the playoffs, maybe we're looking at a Western Conference Finals team rather than a second-round exit again. I know uh, last year was a little bit different as far as access goes and not being able to, to talk to folks in person, but uh, from what you know about the relationships between uh, Michael and Donovan and, and, say, Michael and Rudy and the rest of the teammates there, I would guess that the team itself would be all in favor of bringing him back as well, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen guys on the team joking around with Mike on social media throughout the off season about coming back, and I, I mean, I asked Joe Ingles, you know, 
how important would it be to get a guy like Mike back after they had finished the playoffs? And Joe was like, if I have to fly to Ohio and have lunch with Mike in his mansion, then I will do it. Like we need Mike Conley back on this team. And so, and he's, I mean, he's been known for being a great teammate, teammate and a great locker room presence throughout his career. We're at 14 years now, and there's not a bad word to have been said about him. What did uh, moving Derek Favors do for the Jazz? First of all, it helps the Jazz out financially. And, I mean, I think let's look at it from a roster perspective first, okay? If the Jazz heading into this offseason, one of the biggest issues that they needed to address is that they weren't versatile at the big position. And so they it, you didn't want to continue with the same thing when you know that, that was a problem. And so they're going to want to be bringing in something more versatile, whether that's a stretch five, someone that can play small ball five. They just want to add versatility at that position. Once they do that, that's going to make Derek Savers a redundancy on on the roster. And so if you look down and he's not getting minutes and he's being paid $9 million plus a year, that's not a good reason to have him on the roster. And the Jazz have so much money on the books right now that they're going to be a luxury tax, luxury tax repeating team. And each dollar for a contract, just it compounds. And so it's not like you're just paying $9 million. That $9 million would turn into – you know, $27 million that they're paying in luxury tax just to have Derek Favor sit at the end of the bench and not be playing on a roster where they've decided that he doesn't help them. And so, and then I'd also been asked, well, why didn't they buy him out? That has to be mutually agreed on. Like, buyouts just can't happen. And so the, the player and the team has to agree on the buyout. And even then, if you buy out a player, whatever you agree that you're going to be paying that player to buy them out, that counts against the salary cap. And so trading Derek Favors gets that money off the books. They're not being taxed for that money. And, you know, it's not like they can go out and get a free agent with that money. It's not like $9 million just automatically frees up. But they're not spending money on a redundancy. And there's another roster spot open at the end of it. Yeah, I'm with you on the buyout thing. That 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 doesn't make any sense. But let's let's uh, talk about the position the Jazz are in going into to free agency. And I know you wrote about some of this, but I, I thought you put it very well. So help walk us through. Let's talk about what the difference is between a mid-level exception and a taxpayer mid-level exception, and what exactly the Jazz are going to have resource-wise to do something in free agency. Right. So the mid-level exception, which is how they signed Derek Favors last season is which is around nine million dollars nine point five this season give or take a little bit that can be used by a team so long as they're not going to go above the apron at any point and that's going to be somewhere around 139 million for the rest of this coming season and with the apron is a it's a dollar amount that's just a little bit above what the tax threshold is and so the Jazz can't have the full mid-level exception because after they're done signing Mike Conley, they're going to be way above that anyway. So if they were to go out and use the tax, the regular non-taxpayer mid-level exception before they sign Conley, they wouldn't be able to sign Conley. And so what they do have at their uh, available to use is the taxpayer mid-level exception, and that's around $5.9 million. And that allows them to go out and get a free agent that agrees to a salary. Or, I mean, they could split it between two players, they could split it however they want, but they've got $5 million, $5.9 million that they could use with the taxpayer mid-level exception. 
outside of that, they can sign guys to minimum contracts. And that those vary depending on the guy. You know, a guy with one or zero year, years of service is going to come in at about, you know, a million dollars. And with every year of service in the NBA, that contract goes up. But as long as it's the minimum deal for the years of service, the Jazz will be able to offer that to free agents too. So uh, not to put you on the spot, Sarah, but let's go through a, a couple of names of, of players that might be available and the Jazz might be interested in. Yeah, we. I mean, we've heard that in the past that the Jazz have been interested in Otto Porter and guys like Rudy Gay. There are some injury and some fitness issues with a couple of those guys. And I think that it's, you know, it's no question that one of the players that punished the Jazz for their lack of versatility and Nick Batum is a guy that would make a ton of sense if they could get him to come over, whether it's with that taxpayer mid-level. Uh, I mean, he's a he's a small ball five who has shown no signs of slowing down. And, you know, even if it's just on a couple of years, a deal, it would be really helpful for the Jazz to have, you know, that, that front court spaced out a little bit and be able to switch things up because they got punished for that in the postseason. Um, you're looking beyond that position. There's guys like Mo Harkless, Solomon Hill, James Ennis, rangy wing defenders who have a lot of length and have been known to come in and play on minimum deals and really have an impact, especially when it matters in the postseason. I have some other jazz stuff I want to get to with you, Sarah, but as long as we're talking free agency, just kind of some overall NBA stuff, uh, Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard both opt out. Do you expect either one of them to change teams? I mean, I don't really expect them to. I think that the Chris Paul one makes a little bit more sense for him to opt out because, you know, he can get a longer contract and just have, like, the security uh, of just opting out of that one-year deal for $40 million. Instead, he could go, you know, three years for many tens more millions of dollars. Uh, with Kawhi, it's a little strange. I mean, I'm sure that the Clippers are just going to re-sign him. Steve Ballmer has made it very clear that he will do whatever it takes to keep Kawhi on the team. And so... I mean, that gives a ton of leverage to Kawhi Leonard. And so, yeah, it would make sense for him to opt out and try to get more money. At the same time, if he if he just waits one year and opts in, then he'd be, you know, max extension eligible. And so I mean, it's a little strange because the Clippers could very easily say, you know, we made it to the Western Conference Finals without Kawhi, and we don't even know when he's going to come back from surgery, and there's been injury problems in the past. So, it just puts a lot of power in Kawhi's corner for ownership and management to have already said, you know, we'll do whatever it takes to keep him here. You covered the 76ers for a little while. You have any thoughts on if Ben Simmons is going to be on that roster opening day and uh, frankly, the asking price for him out there? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's very Daryl Morey ish to put out such a large acting asking price and, you know, sort of dangle the carrot a little bit and see what's out there. I think rightly so. Ben Simmons' trade stock is not at its highest point right now. I think that he probably will be on the roster opening day, but Ben Simmons is the kind of player that plays very, very well during the regular season, and so that can improve his stock. He could be moved by the trade deadline. I think that makes a lot more sense than trying to move him sort of right after a, a bit of a fiasco of of a time that he had during the postseason. Sarah Todd is with us here on the big show. Of course, she covers the jazz for the Deseret news. I uh, want to give your thoughts on, uh, or get, excuse me, your thoughts on the jazz. what did you think about Jared Butler? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting pick. There's, you know, I think that you always have to give credence a little bit to the intel that is league-wide, you know. there, The concerns that people had about his medical conditions, I don't think that it was so much the heart condition, but there were reports that there was a knee issue, too. I think that that probably raised some red flags for some people, and so it's definitely something to keep an eye on and to keep in mind with him moving forward and just hope that the Jazz can really get hit. I mean, we're talking about a league that has the best sports science in the world, and so if anybody, you know, if any athlete is going to be able to condition themselves and strengthen themselves to prevent injury, then it would probably be someone in the NBA. They're very good at that. And so that's something to keep an eye on. But on the court, I mean, he's an exceptional defender, and he's incredibly rangy. I mean, this guy was shooting NBA plus threes as far as uh, length and range goes while he was playing collegiately. And at Baylor, he just he did a little bit of everything, and he's really versatile on the wing. And I think what strikes me the most is that he's really good at putting – pressure on the ball but he's also really smart when it comes to rotating and playing help defense I like that about his game and all of that to say you know none of us know what rookies are going to be like until we're two three four years down the road so but right now he looks like a very good prospect what do you think about the Lindsay family connection to him and I say uh, family because not just uh, Dennis who of course has followed the Baylor basketball program really closely uh, but also his son who was uh, on that uh, on that Baylor team? They didn't overlap, and in fact, if uh, uh, apparently Jake gave up his scholarship so that Jared uh, the, the, was the one that Jared took. But anyway, and, and Jake was the one who recruited him there to Baylor. But the long and short of it, what do you think about the Lindsay family connection? Any connection that an NBA team has to a college program is only going to help them when they're scouting potential players. Uh, it's, I mean. You're never going to go and say, like, oh, the, the Jazz didn't have a connection at Baylor, and, and that's that's good that they weren't completely in the loop. You know, it's it's great that they've got ties that they can lean on and they can trust the intel that they get. They probably know a few more people on the inside at Baylor than maybe some of the other teams do. And I asked Justin Zanuck about that the other night. Like, what is it about those connections? Like, how does it make you feel more comfortable? And it's not so much the on-court stuff, but when you're figuring out what a guy's like, his background, who his friends are, what he does on his off days, it's easier to feel confident in the intel that you got if you have people close to the situation that are reaffirming the information that's coming into you. And so when you've got sort of, you know, boots on the ground at a place like Baylor, that's it's just it's nice to have confidence in the information that's coming. All right, Summer League starting tomorrow here in Salt Lake. There will be three teams. Jazz will actually have two teams, uh, Jazz White and Jazz Blue. Uh, most everybody you're familiar with is is going to be on the Jazz White team, including, uh, you know, Doak and Elijah Hughes. But who has the most to gain uh, in Summer League, do you think, Sarah, this year? I mean, there's a couple of guys. Uh Udoka and Elijah are both guys that came in as rookies and were in such a weird situation with the COVID year, and they were both dealt with strange injuries. And so their development it was slowed. They didn't get a summer league their rookie year. They the G League bubble was completely separated from the team, and they also were on a team that was you know had championship aspirations. So it's very hard to get time, and the Jazz were restrictive with their rotations, and so it was just a unique situation. And so I think that both of those players have a ton to gain from just showing what they've learned on the court throughout Summer League. Um, we spoke to Elijah and, and Doak today, and 
What I will say is that Elijah sounds very confident in his defensive progress, and he's hoping that that's going to show on the court. That's something to keep an eye out on. And uh, Doak actually looked really lean today. He looked like he's in great shape. And from all reports, everyone in practice is saying that he's one of the most athletic guys that anyone's ever seen. I mean, if we can see this guy run up and down the court and keep up kind of at an NBA pace, we haven't seen a lot of him. And so it's going to be good to see him actually get some runs through the full course of the game. And then a couple of other guys, Darrell Brantley and Trent Forrest, um, you know, they're, they're both going to be playing for contracts at this point. And they both could add value to this Jazz team. And so those are guys that if they can really make an impact this summer, it might mean the difference between a roster spot or not. Jarrell Brantley, I want to ask you about uh, <clears throat> excuse me, him in particular, Sarah, because I he's somebody that I think has potential. And, and you know when you're covering players that are kind of at the back part of the roster, sometimes you're like, Dude, is he really good or am I just <laughs> fooling myself into it or whatever? But I, I always want to see more of him when we've seen him. Where are you at on Brantley? Well, I've made no secret on social media my belief in Jarrell Brantley. I think that he has all of the tools to be an NBA player. He's got the frame and the size. And what really stands out to me is that despite not getting really any time this last season on a two-way deal, he improved his shooting percentages by almost 20% all around. And so if you've got a guy that's working that hard behind the scenes and he's not getting a lot of time on the court, but he's able to contribute and develop on his own – I think that speaks volumes of a guy. And then just for his size defensively, he's kind of right in the mold of what the Jazz would need. I think that if he got more of an opportunity playing with the regular rotation players, that you'd see a lot of good stuff out of Jarrell Brantley. You going to Vegas? I will be there. We have. Uh, I, I'm curious, and I really have no idea. Have they talked to you guys about what's going to happen with the masks? Because I think Vegas went back to a mask mandate, right? Is this going to be a, an empty gym kind of thing and masking once again? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the gym is going to look like. We haven't gotten complete word on that yet. But the NBA is their own world, and we follow their rules, you know. And yeah. so uh, we'll still everybody that I. In the media and everyone will be masked, but we will be able to have a little bit more contact with the players on the teams that we cover, which is great news. That just means better coverage for all the readers and everyone involved and better stories and uh, more intricate details. And so I'm just looking forward to getting a little bit closer to the game. You know, I don't know if people appreciate this, and I'm, I'm unfortunately not going to cover it uh, this year, but I've covered uh, several summer leagues in, in the past, and the, the Salt Lake Summer League is, is fun too, but but covering that event in Vegas is super underrated. Like, they're, they're, everybody's down there. You get to see all these young players. There's storylines that are just coming out your ears. I'm jealous because summer leagues are super fun to cover. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of uh, Las Vegas itself in the summer at all, yeah, but right. – yeah. You can spend eight hours in the Thomas and Mack Center, and you can talk to everyone from the owner to executives to scouts to players. You know, you've got regular, you've got the all-star players that are coming out to Vegas to watch their rookies play in summer league, and everyone's just kind of there, and you get to talk to everyone. It's a well air-conditioned building, which I really appreciate, yep. and so it's, it's, it's a very good time. You're right; it's, it's severely underrated. I'm going to pull a Monson here for a second and just a humble brag story because it was a couple of years ago I was I was watching I, I, some random summer league game. It wasn't the Jazz. We were waiting for the Jazz to play, and I, I looked to my right, and I was just standing right next to Roy Williams. I was like, that's just Roy Williams <laughs> just chilling there, just taking in a game, man. It's something else. It's really cool. 
Yeah, I, thought, I think that uh, one time, the first time that I ever went to Summerland, this was probably back in 2012 or 2013, um, I accidentally dropped pizza on Brent Berry. And so <laughs> I, I don't really tell anyone about that. It wasn't my finest moment, so I just keep that one to myself. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. What, Austin isn't here today, Sarah, but next time you come on and Austin's here, we'll have to have him tell you the uh, he spilled a entire he was a waiter and and was uh was working a wedding and he spilled a whole tray of dr pepper onto the bride well that's it's <laughs> <laughs> such an austin story uh, i cannot wait to have yeah. him tell it i want i want to see his face when he does it too but hey that's you, you know what i at least i normally spill on myself I, I can't wear white clothing because it inevitably will have coffee all over it. But it's um, a daily problem. Yeah, oh, isn't it the worst? I mean, it, you know what? Whenever somebody important drops by the studio, that's when I have an extra like big stain right on the front. Like, oh, hello there. You know, good to. Good yeah. To any illusions that anyone has of me being a cool person, if they saw how much I spill food on myself, <laughs> they would think differently. So. <laughs> well, Sarah, we appreciate you jumping on the show as always, and we'll be uh, following your reporting uh, going into free agency should be fun all right talk to you soon thanks sarah that's our friend sarah todd from the deseret news you can read her work at deseret.com also she has a very complicated twitter handle if you want to follow her on twitter at nba sarah that's a tough one to remember at nba sarah and sarah's great um so free agency up around the corner in fact uh free agency begins in let's see here about uh what uh, 38 minutes 37 minutes and we'll keep our eyes peeled to see the uh, the latest news as it comes out, not only with the Utah Jazz, but of course around the rest of the league. As uh, we'll see, we'll see some we'll see some action. I think we're going to see more of a a flood of activity at the beginning uh, than maybe we usually do. Uh, you know, there isn't that big name free agent that's going to hold things up. Like it was Gordon Hayward one year. When Gordon Hayward left Utah, he did that that interview thing where one day it's with the Jazz and then the next day it's with the Heat and then the final day with Boston. And then he's going to make up his mind and it ended up being on the fourth notoriously. Uh, So after that happened, then other things broke loose because he was kind of one of the bigger uh, players in free agency that particular year. There's not really that this year. And there's there's – Teams that have cap room, but it's not necessarily teams who are interested in adding free agents. As we saw, like with Oklahoma City, for example, they can go out there and add Derek Favors' contract, no problem, because they're not exactly trying to win right now. And so even though they have a ton of cap room, they're not necessarily going to be out there looking for a Kyle Lowry, for example. So they might as well chew up some cap space uh, and do another team a favor and grab another first-round draft pick in the process. So, you know, it's a little complex that way. So I would expect that uh, a lot of the moves to come at the beginning because you're not really waiting for that that big ticket item to to change uh, to change teams. You know, case in point, the ultimate example was LeBron James uh, when he left Cleveland the first time. He had to make the decision uh, before all the other stuff could happen in in free agency. So uh, I don't think we have that as much this year. So I expect it to to kind of come fast and furious. And you know, in the case of uh, of Michael Conley with the Jazz, I would expect that deal to come out pretty soon uh, because, as Sarah laid out right there, you know, the the teams that would be interested in Mike's services aren't necessarily a better fit or could give him more money or those sorts of things. Like, 
the the best option it would seem for Michael Conley is to to stay with the Jazz. So I would guess that we will see that pretty quick. I would guess that we'll see Kawhi Leonard's news pretty quick. I I would guess that we'll see Chris Paul's news uh, pretty quick, and then things can kind of go from there. And then you know, as free agency goes on, then we'll see it play out with the where do those vet minimum guys go? Where do those uh, uh, tax payer exceptions uh where do those guys go where do the mid-level guys go and it'll kind of trickle down from there so we'll see um what happens four o'clock though is when things uh things get started coming up next scandal controversy in the world of hockey uh of all places we can uh, touch on that but we'll obviously continue to talk about college football we'll continue to talk about nba free agency we'll keep you up to date on any news going on Stuart mandel of the athletic is going to be on the show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Summer League here at Vivint Arena starts tomorrow. So Jonathan Reinhardt is going to be on with us, not only the president of the Stars, but also uh, in charge of the Summer League. So we'll talk to him about the event and the team's coming and uh, what it's like kind of putting on a Summer League event. It's a big uh, it's a big deal. We'll talk to Jonathan about that top of the 5 o'clock hour. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire every day, with no credit needed financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. It's a Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Uh, we had an Olympic update right there brought to you by Top 1660. The Top 1660 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30. Hans and Scotty will announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as they count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 1660 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon only on the Zone Sports Network. There's a big hockey story out there today. Um, and I know we do not talk a lot of hockey on the show, but this is, uh, you know, something that could possibly affect all of sports. And, you know, with uh, sports gambling becoming more and more prevalent uh, throughout the country and, uh, you know, maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's a maybe it's a bad thing. But some of the lines uh, remain and uh, need to be focused on. And this story is this story is pretty concerning. Um Evander Kane, he plays for the San Jose Sharks. He's a forward. Eric, you're more into hockey than I am. He's very good, right? Yeah, it's been a little bit of a steady decline for him over the past two or three years. He used to be one of the league's top players. And and curiously, he came up short in a number of games in the playoffs, uh, if, if I uh, have been told correctly. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, he is uh, getting a divorce, apparently, and his wife, Anna, wrote some things uh, on social media. She said this, quote, How does the NHL let a compulsive gambling addict still play when he's obviously throwing games to win money? Hmm. Maybe someone needs to address this. She added, Can someone ask Commissioner Gary Bettman how they let a player gamble on his own games? Bet and win with bookies on his own games. Uh, in a separate post, uh, Anna Kane accused her husband of spending lavishly partying in Europe while asking her to sell her wedding ring to survive and wrote about not being able to afford baby formula for their child. Um, 
Evander Kane now uh, has uh, made a response. He acknowledged that the two are in the process of getting a divorce. He called Anna Kane, quote, mentally unwell. Um, he, uh, he said this about the accusation. He said, quote, I have never gambled slash bet on hockey, never gambled slash bet on a Sharks game, never gambled slash bet on any of my games, and never thrown a hockey game. Uh, he went on to talk about his personal situation. He wrote, he said, quote, I love my daughter. Uh, I will always, uh, I will and always have taken care of my daughter in every way possible. I've always made sure her mother has everything she's needed and more. I've tried to de-escalate our divorce issues and be as civil and calm as anyone in this position could. I have tried to set up FaceTime calls, but not every day as I would like to because of being restricted by her mom. She has refused me to see her and had unfortunately tried to use my daughter as leverage. I will continue to always take care of my family, and that goes without question. Uh, The NHL, for their part, uh, said, quote, the integrity of our game is paramount, and the league takes these allegations very seriously. Um, The San Jose Sharks uh, have been... Basically in contact. This is what a team spokesman said. San Jose Sharks have been in contact uh, today with the National Hockey League about serious allegations made against Evander Kane. Uh, we support a full and transparent investigation into the situation to maintain the integrity of the game and consistency with our team values, unquote. Now, uh, Kane does have a, a history with gambling. Uh, in 2019, a Las Vegas casino uh, sued Kane, alleging he had failed to repay $500,000 in gambling debt racked up during a playoff series against the Golden Knights. How about that for a, for a playoff series? Uh, I mean, what are, we, what are we talking about, Eric? He's probably uh, in Vegas a total of, what, uh, five nights, four nights uh, in yeah, a playoff that, series? As I recall, that game went seven, so he would have been in Vegas at least three times. But, so that's like putting, like, Basically, a hundred fifty grand a night. Blowing five hundred grand in that amount of time is is interesting. But you know, he makes. Uh, let's see, he's three seasons into a forty nine million dollars seven year contract. So um, he's made just under fifty six million dollars during his career. So I mean, he he has assets, or you would think. But you know, the, the, this is the scary part because sports um, is is one hundred percent vulnerable to this. And it's difficult to spot. It's it's happened before more than uh, probably a lot of folks would would want to let on. Um, compulsive behavior, which of course gambling is, is extraordinarily dangerous. I'm sure there are a lot of folks out there that have had uh, you know some firsthand experience with this. You know, it, you see somebody who loses five hundred thousand dollars in a short amount of time. You know, it's it's about chasing it, and it can unravel. Uh, quickly and has damaged a lot of lives. That's a, a big part of the, I guess, the argument around here of keeping gambling illegal, even paramutual betting, is that, you know, it it destroys a lot of lives, which is which is 100% true. And I don't think uh, athletes are any less vulnerable to that than uh, any other compulsive behavior out there. And it's kind of the thing that that sports. I mean, there's a reason that they punished Pete Rose and Shoeless Joe Jackson and these these people that have uh, violated this, uh, the, you know, the one ultimate rule in sports, no gambling on it, because it affects the legitimacy. It, it, it is what separates sports 
from the WWE. Uh, we had a conversation earlier today about uh, reality television and sports. I mean, that the legitimacy of the game is what gives the, the sport the credibility, um, you know, not only for gambling, which all of a sudden is an industry which is uh, gaining import by the day, uh, but also your overall fan who wants to believe in, in the competition that they're seeing out there on the field or on the floor. So this is a huge, huge deal, and I would – I understand, you know, why the NHL said what they did and why the Sharks said what they did. We're, we're approaching this. We're taking it very seriously. We're looking into it. Um, but at the same time, this this is the hard part, right? Because we don't know what Evander and Anna Kane's marriage is like. We don't know what their relationship is like. We do know that this is probably the most damaging thing that she can do to him, and uh, I have a, uh, I've got a good buddy that uh, that works in family law, and um, or actually worked into worked in it for a time because he doesn't do it anymore because of just uh, how unbelievable, uh, unbelievably taxing that that particular profession uh, is. Um, I, I, he told me this one day and it really, it really stuck with me. That every time you meet with your client, it's the worst day of their life, right? I mean, nobody, nobody is is having a good time when they're getting divorced or 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 negotiating over their kids or trying to uh, you know protect themselves and protect their loved ones but uh, also that usually there's there's a reason why the why the marriage is is not making it in the first place and oftentimes a lot of ill, Ill feelings and all this stuff that that is really really obvious but you know you it's hard to uh, understand the credibility without knowing more to the story, because this certainly could be somebody that's just trying to do as much damage to somebody as they possibly can, which this allegation would. I mean, this would, you know, if if found to be true or, or believed, um, this would certainly end his career, sporting career. I mean, he, you know, banned from the NHL sort of things if he's actually throwing his own games. So, it, this this is a tough one because it's so serious from a sports standpoint because they have to take it seriously and they have to protect the integrity of the sport. And I've worked a long, very hard for a long time to to ensure that those boundaries exist. And whenever there's there's rumor or a story of a breach, it has to be taken extraordinarily seriously. But I mean, I, I you know, people are people are uh, unpredictable, imperfect and emotional. And so it's it's sometimes really difficult difficult to wade through these things, but uh, it needs to be taken seriously. And I, I personally am going to be fascinated to see just uh, exactly what what comes of all of this. It, it would be less serious if he didn't have a a past that involved gambling. Not that owing half a million dollars to a Vegas casino is related necessarily, but if that casino had to sue him to get their five hundred grand, that's probably not a really good sign. Um, so man, this is, this, uh, this is a tough one because it's an accusation that absolutely is going to have teeth, but I have no idea who Anna Kane is. I have no idea what this relationship is like. I certainly have no idea what this divorce is like, and I just wouldn't put it past people, um, especially people that are, are hurt and, and desperate, which, um, certainly can happen, um, in family situations and family law and family court and those sorts of things. I certainly, you know, would believe a father that loves his daughter. And so that's probably at the center of all of this. And yeah, man, it makes people, it makes people desperate. And so who knows, but, uh, uh you better believe the NHL is going to look into it. You better believe that now, now if they actually are upfront and honest about what they find, uh, I don't know, <laughs> uh, because it would be really bad. 
if they found the wrong thing. So, all right. We'll have more coming up next. We've got a market update right around the corner. Stuart Mandel will be on the show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. He covers college football for The Athletic. Senior uh, college football writer is one of the good ones. Um, Top of the 4 o'clock hour. Jonathan Reinhardt, top of the 5 o'clock hour. We'll get to what's going on. I think we're going to divide that in two. We'll do DJ and PK at 4.30 and Hans and Scotty coming up at 5.30. Not Sports Report at 4.50. It is the big show. Gordon will be back coming up tomorrow right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want you to know that I'm This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire every day. With no credit needed, financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Stay tuned. Stuart Mandel of The Athletic is going to join the show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. We'll ask him about uh, conference realignment. And uh, how that's going. Texas and Oklahoma now, uh, the deal has been sealed to go to the SEC. The question now is when. We'll ask Stuart about that and where this all ends. What happens from here? And we'll get his thoughts on uh, on the Pac-12 uh, going into this year's football season. And we'll mix in some Utes and Cougs as well. Very much looking forward to talking to him again at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. All right, let's get to a market update brought to you by our friends at TryDayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader Visit trydaytrading.com. Let's see here. Today, the Dow Jones down uh, 97 uh, points. The S&P down 8 points. And the NASDAQ up 8.39 points. Uh, And there is your market update uh, brought to you by trydaytrading.com. Um, looking very much looking forward to uh, to talking to Stuart. We've got uh, NBA free agency also that starts in a little over ten minutes, so we'll see uh, exactly uh, what happens right out of the gate. Who calls who? What gets reported? What gets leaked? Who's resigning? Who's going elsewhere? Uh, all the fireworks start in about uh, ten minutes, so that uh, that should be fun. We'll be covering that uh, throughout the show uh, here on ninety seven five and uh, and twelve eighty the zone. Uh, coming up at 4.30, we'll do a little what's going on. We'll check in with DJ and PK. And uh, they uh, did a segment today on the fallout from Pac-12 Media Day. And I'm curious to talk to to Stuart about he what he expects out of the Pac-12 this year. Um, it, PK said this a couple times, Pac-12 Media Day. I absolutely agreed with, uh, agree with him and agreed with him then. You know, outside of Arizona, and Arizona is, is changing over head coach, wasn't in a particularly good position to begin with. Kevin Sumlin absolutely did not leave that program in better shape than when he got it. And when he got it, let's not pretend like they were uh, rattling off conference championships. But uh, Arizona, I don't think, is going to be all that great. I don't know if you can make a real uh, argument for them. But everybody else in the league, you can make an argument that they're going to take a step forward. Uh, at least, in PK put it this way, at least should be shooting for a, for a bowl game. And, uh, you know, uh, if, if you look through the South, I mean, Arizona State's a year better. They bring back uh, most of their team. Utah brings back pretty much all of their team. They bring in a transfer quarterback. Certainly think uh, Utah should take a step forward. Arizona State, those are easy. USC's got a, an upperclassman quarterback that uh, should be a Heisman candidate. Uh, USC always has the talent. Um, we'll see if that 
uh, air raid offense uh, finally clicks there with Keaton Slovis at quarterback. But you certainly should be making an argument that they have, they should have, uh, they should have high expectations. I I think UCLA should take a to should take a step forward now. Uh, Chip Kelly's uh, chipper mood um, gives me a little pause. My experience with Chip Kelly over the years, when he has a good team, he's going to be super grumpy uh, at uh, at media day because uh, he doesn't need the good goodwill and the good press, and he just assumed get out of there. If he's in a good mood at media day, it means he's a little worried about his team and that he needs a little you know a little uh, uh, goodwill going his way. And he was in a pretty good mood at media day, but I think. With the amount of years he's been there, he's had uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson as his quarterback all the way through. You would think he'd be able to get the talent he wants where he wants it, and they would be able to uh, to take a step forward. I, I would think so there at UCLA. Colorado, of course, was the big surprise during last year's shortened season. They got off to that good start. Uh, they lost their quarterback, though, who transferred to uh, to Oregon State. And the Beavs, maybe you can make a, a – I like Jonathan Smith. I like their coach. You can make the, the argument that the Beavs will take a step forward. But back to Carl Durrell for a second at, at Colorado. I, I came away uh, extremely impressed uh, with him at Media Day. He's, the, Colorado's kind of like coming home for him. It's a, it's a natural fit. He, he really, I think, can go sell the program, and he's going to give them some consistency, and maybe they've – uh, they're not going to have that revolving door of coaches that they've had so long uh, with that uh, with that program. So I think there's there's reason to be optimistic about the Buffaloes. And you look up at the North, you know, I'm I'm not so sure. Um, PK, th- let me put it this way: PK thinks Stanford is going to be have an outside shot at the North. That they're going to be uh, kind of that team that's uh, a little bit of a sleeper. I'm not quite as convinced as he is, but uh, of course, David Shaw. Is uh, you know is a very good coach and built a very good program there. Um, you know Cal, do they uh, keep their quarterback healthy with Garbers? Because when Garbers plays, Cal's really good. When he hasn't played, uh, Cal hasn't been good. I mean, it's been pretty much as simple as that. So how how uh, healthy can Garbers stay, and can he complement that defense with an offense that uh, that can move the football? We talked a little bit about Oregon State. Uh, Washington and Oregon are, are the class of the conference. I thought Washington State last year under Rolovich were not as bad as uh, as I had anticipated, so maybe they take the next step. The point is, is I think the Pac-12 has the opportunity to be a really good conference this year, which is ironic because that's not what the league needs. The league needs a top-heavy team to just dominate. The league doesn't need a deep competitive conference because that's what's uh, gotten in its way in previous years is you've got a, uh, you know, we talked about this a few times at Pac-12 Media Day, but you've got a, a an Oregon team from a couple of years ago that is rolling and they had one non-conference loss early in the year. It looked to be on pace to, to have a playoff berth. And then what happens in November? An Arizona State team comes to town and pulls uh, a huge upset. Because every team is good, not necessarily great in the Pac-12, and a good team can win any any week, as Arizona State proved there. Of course, costing Oregon a, a, a trip to the playoff, costing the conference uh, a playoff berth, 
and the the parody of the league, which makes the league fun to watch if you're just watching league uh, league play, is also what hurts them on the national stage because you've got to have a team uh, that is undefeated or certainly undefeated in conference uh, to to get a playoff berth. So I think the league is going to be deep. I think it's going to be fun to watch. I think it's going to be another one of those seasons where anyone uh, can beat anyone, but that's actually not what the league needs. What the league needs to be nationally relevant uh, is for USC or Oregon, or maybe even Washington. And those are probably the three best candidates, but I go with with USC or Oregon just because of their brand to run rough shot through the league. But I don't think either one's going to do it. I think uh, USC constantly uh, uh, underachieves. I don't know. I, I like Clay Helton. Um, he, he certainly is a nice man. He was he was very patient with us at Pac-12 Media Day. That's a story I told the other day where we had a technical issue right as he was sitting down, and he couldn't have been cooler. Uh, his players seem to really like him, buy-in, players, coach, uh, you know, all those things. But, you know, can he win where at the level the USC expects him to win at because there have been some unexpected losses. And so we'll we'll see what they do this year. I I don't think that offense is a good fit for USC, but Keaton Slovis certainly does. I mean, he he went on and on about it at Pac-12 Media Day why the offense is such a good fit for his game personally. But I don't know if I expect USC to be that giant this year. I don't expect Oregon necessarily. I, I think that they will be good, but I don't think they're good enough to go through the entire league undefeated. I I really don't. I don't think Washington is good enough to go through the league undefeated. And then you're you're getting down to Utah and Arizona State, and I say down to it. I don't mean for that to be condescending. It's more just you know how the media picked it, and it, you know I expect Utah to be good this year. I mean I think they're to expect them to finish second in the South is extraordinarily reasonable. I think they can get to that expectation um, with some uh, half decent quarterback play in that defense, absolutely. But I don't think that the Utes are going to go through the league undefeated. I full-on expect them to go through non-conference undefeated because it's pretty much what the Utes do under Kyle Whittingham in the Pac-12 era. You know, the rivalry game's going to be fun to watch as always, but, uh, you know, I don't expect them to go 9-0 and in league. No way. I mean, they might be better than uh, a large chunk of the league, but they're not better than everybody. So it, it's one of those things where I'm expecting more of the same from the Pac-12. And really fun because there are some programs that are getting better, but they're not going to have that top-heavy team that carries them into the playoff, which ultimately is bad for them on the national scale, which, of course, is the great irony. But me, as a Virginia Tech fan who watches the ACC, it's Clemson and everybody else. I mean, it's it's almost a joke that way. But yet they get a, a share of the pie. They get that playoff money. They get that exposure. And uh, nobody talks about the the ACC constantly underachieving, which they probably should. But yet, that's constantly a storyline with with the Pac-12, even though their problem in this circumstance is having too many good teams, or at least too many teams uh, capable of upsetting the brand names. And uh, the brand names uh, bear a lot of responsibility for the the PR hole that the league is in, because uh, the the big brand names are are propping up the these other leagues, although. You know, that creates a problem like the Big 12. You get too reliant on these other names, and then they get too much power, and if they want to go somewhere else, you're just sunk. So, all right, coming up next, uh, speaking of this, uh, we'll ask uh, Stuart Mandel where exactly we're headed as uh, conferences realign in Texas and Oklahoma, you know, uh, get things started. Of course, uh, Stuart been cl- covering this very closely. We'll also get his thoughts on what to expect out of the Pac-12 as well as BYU. It's all straight ahead here on The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.